Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. The title of tonight's message is One Fine Day, and we're going to look into chapter 2 of 2 Thessalonians. And what's happening, this is Paul's second letter to the Thessalonians. He's been gone for a little while, or he had uh, communication a little while ago. And now what's been happening is different doctrine is creeping in. And some of the people who are under Paul's teaching started getting, believing lies. They started believing some of the deceiving things that were creeping into the church. Very similar to what you and I need to be cautious of. We need to have a grasp of God's Word so that when we hear things or read things, we have a knowledge of God's Word and we cannot be deceived. Because it says in the last days there's going to be a great deception. There's going to be a lot of people falling away from the faith. There is a song back in the 60s called One Fine Day. And one of the things I like to do with some of the songs is I like to put in Christian lyrics. Because, as you know, some of the tunes are awesome. But some of the words are not so awesome. And I often wonder if, if these people had turned their lives over to Christ. What a um, number of songs with great lyrics there might have been. But anyway, part of the verses of the uh, lyrics of One Fine Day says, One fine day you'll look at me, and you will know our love was meant to be. Then it skips down a little bit, and it goes, I'll keep waiting, and someday you'll come to me when you want to settle down. And I look at that from a Christ-centered perspective, that God's heart is yearning for us to look at Him, to see Him as He is, and He reveals Himself to us, through His Word, through His Holy Spirit. One day when we see Him face to face, we'll know the totality of that love. We know by looking at the cross that God loved us so much that He sent His Son, that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died on the cross for us. When we didn't even know His name, He went to a cross the greatest act of sacrificial love was Jesus' death on the cross. And God's heart is He keeps waiting that someday we'll come to Him and want to settle down in Him, that we find our peace in Him. Now, I know many of you here tonight are Christians and you found your salvation in the Lord. But sometimes you don't find your peace in the Lord. And one of the reasons you don't find your peace in the Lord is because of all the things that easily distract us. Just normal things in the world that everybody faces, whether you're a believer or not. Whether it be within your family, whether it be at your a workplace, whether it be a situation that happens in church. It doesn't matter. It can throw you off. Well, God wants us to know that there's going to be one fine day with a capital F that's coming that we're going to meet him face to face. And we're getting closer to that every second, every minute, every hour. 
Every day, every month, every year, we're getting closer and closer to meeting him face to face. What a glorious, glorious day that's going to be. But he hasn't taken us yet. Individually, he hasn't taken any of us yet. Collectively, he hasn't taken us all yet. There's a reason. Paul had that same heart. He knew that to be absent from the body was to be present with the Lord. But he knew that as long as he was in the body, there was a purpose, there was a reason that God kept him on this earth. For us, it's to love God and to share his love with others. It's to know God and make him known. That's it. There's really nothing else. That's the simplicity of our life for him. And how do we do that? Of course, we do it within the sphere of influence that we were put in. In your families, in your workplace, in your church, in your neighborhoods. So as we jump in to 2 Thessalonians 2, it says, Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to Him, We ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Now, if you were with us or have read in the past 1 Thessalonians, Paul talked about the rapture of the church, the pre-tribulation rapture that we were going to be taken up before the seven years tribulation and the return of Jesus Christ before his thousand-year reign. Well, these same people from the church of Thessalonica, they were worried that they had missed the rapture of the church. They thought they were in the tribulation because of all the persecution that was going on. And that's one of the things we'll look at tonight. But in that first verse, now brethren... We are brothers and sisters by blood. I don't know if you know that. We're brothers and sisters by blood. The blood of Christ unites us in the family of God. If you're not a believer in Christ, you and I are united by blood, the human blood that mankind has had since Adam and Eve. But that born-again experience, that spiritual death, being born again, the Spirit coming to life, When we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we become brothers and sisters by the blood of Christ. How awesome is that? And it says, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That word Lord, we say it so much, we've heard it so much, sometimes we pass right over it. Lord means master. He decides. He's the master of our lives. He decides our steps. But we need to give him that mastership, don't we, in our lives? We have to allow him to have that free reign in us. The word Jesus means Jehovah is salvation. God incarnate, God coming in the flesh, becoming a little baby, growing up into a teen and a young adult. And being crucified as an adult man around 33 years old. God himself dying on the cross for us. 
that, should, that blows you away if you try to just grasp it a little. That the God of the universe, the God who made us, came in the form of a man. Jesus, true man and true God. And then, of course, the word Christ means the anointed one. Another word, Messiah. Throughout the Old Testament, hundreds of prophecies talking about a Messiah coming to this earth to die for the sins of the world. No other person, no other so-called God has a book full of prophecies predicting, identifying who He is. Yet we have this supernatural book in our hands that tells about the God who steps down into history to meet us where we are. And to continually build in us Himself and transform us from the inside out. And our gathering together to Him. Our gathering together to Him. Think of that word gathering, together to Him. Not Him coming down to us. This is where Paul is reintroducing that, that theme of one day we might all just be caught up into the air to meet Jesus in the air. How glorious that would be. Did you ever think about that? There's really only two things that are going to happen. It's us being caught up in the air to meet Jesus in the clouds, or it's going to be we're going to die and be in the presence of Christ immediately. If I had a choice between A and B, I'm taking A. You with me? We all want to go on the A ship. Okay? But that's God's will. He knows. He knows the day and the hour for each of us. So that gathering together to Him. Paul is saying, we ask you in verse 2, not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Remember His purpose in writing this. People were saying that they missed it. That they missed the rapture. They were now in the tribulation period. We think of that word, shaken. In Psalm 16, 8, it says, I have set the Lord always before me, because He is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. That word shaken, throwing you off balance, um, messing you up. Now we know physically... We can be shaken. Somebody can shake you. Somebody, uh, a football player, can tackle another guy from the blind side. It's going to shake him up, right? It's going to shake that person up. But we know from experience that we can be shaken spiritually, can't we? Through the trials, tribulations, things that go on in our life. I think we all have been shaken spiritually. But notice what Psalm 16.8 said, that if you set the Lord always before you, in other words, you're seeing Him. He's there before you. You're not taking your eyes off of Jesus. That, he's, that you shall not be moved. doesn't say you won't go through trials and tribulations. You won't go through financial difficulties. You won't go um, 
It's not going to avoid you going through health issues or aging or anything that can shake you. But with the Lord always before you, you're not going to be moved from your place of your faith in the one and only Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Jesus Christ. That's huge. A lot of times, the things that come in our life, just like the persecution that was going on in the Thessalonians, Thessalonica church, what does that do when you go through trials and tribulations? Test your heart, doesn't it? Doesn't it show you where you are in your walk with the Lord? Doesn't it show you the depth of your faith? The second uh, second to last song was just going deeper with Christ. It's usually through our trials and tribulations, isn't it, that we deepen our relationship with Jesus? Throughout history, throughout the scriptures, the Old and New Testament, saw a friend of mine's shirt tonight, one of the old shirts, the Lord's Gym, his pain, your gain. But a lot of time, things that we go through, the pain that we suffer, okay, we gain a deeper relationship with Jesus. Not always easy, is it, as we're going through it? But if you're going through it and you've got to the other side of it, You look back and you see God's hand. And it's a little easier next time when that trial or tribulation or some other curveball comes your way. Also notice, shaken in your mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us. Think about the mind. You know, Definition, looking up the mind, the, co- the comprising alike, the faculties of perceiving and understanding and those of feeling, judging, and determining. The mind, how powerful is the mind? Helps us perceive things. Helps us understand. Helps us feel. Helps us judge things. Helps us determine things. But, you know, you think of the wars, You think of the concentration camps and how they try to break down the minds of the male and female soldiers to take away their hope, to take away their fight. But the mind is so powerful. And the Bible talks about how God wants us to be renewed. Where? In our mind. In our mind, it's so important. You know, people say that you and I are brainwashed because we believe in Jesus Christ. Well, amen. If we're, if we're serious and we know where we came from, we all need our brain washed from the filth and the stains of this world. That's why Jesus shed his blood to wash us clean from the effects of sin. In that second verse, it also talks about trouble. Trouble meaning to be frightened or alarmed. Have you ever been frightened or alarmed? Spiritually speaking, have you been shaken in the core? Remember what I said, sometimes that very shaken and being frightened and trouble show you where your heart is. Story of a Christian who was sleeping in bed and he woke up and there was a demonic figure at his, at his feet. And he said, oh, it's only a demon of Satan. And he went back to sleep. 
because he knew greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. They were already conquered at the cross. I'd like to look at that word spirit that's also in verse 2. Notice it's a small s. The spirit is that which animates and gives life. The body is of no profit, for the spirit imparts life to the body. The rational part of man, the power of perceiving and grasping divine and eternal things, and upon which the spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, exerts his influence. Martin Luther said, it's the highest and noblest part of man which qualifies him to lay hold of incomprehensible, invisible, and eternal things. In short, it is a house where faith in God's word are at home. But the only way faith in God's word can be at home in your individual spirit is if you are born again and your spirit has come back to life in Christ. You see, most of the world aren't born again in their spirit. Their spirit is dead because of sin that we've inherited from our original parents, Adam and Eve. Jesus said, you must be born again. And if Jesus said it, it should be good enough for us. Verse 3, let no one deceive you by any means For that day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. In the falling away, in 1 Timothy 4, 1 to 3, it says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. Continuing in 2 Timothy 3, 1 to 5, this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, From such turn away, continuing in chapter 4 of 2 Timothy, verses 3 and 4, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. I want you to catch that. Teachers will bring a lie. Teachers will instruct in the wrong way, bringing people away from the truth. Things that these people want to hear because they have itching ears that they want to be comfortable in their sin. So when other people are teaching them, 
They fall right into line because it's what they want to hear versus what God wants us to hear. That's why it's imperative, everybody, that you become a student of the Scriptures, that you read the Bible, you go through it. If you're a new believer in Christ, start in the book of Luke or the book of John or just begin in the New Testament, Matthew on. If you've been a Christian for a while, you want to have the goal, the desire to read through the Bible. When you read it through Genesis to Revelation and you're done, read it again. Read it again. Keep reading it. Until the teacher himself, Jesus Christ, is in front of your face one day. But that day hasn't come yet. In John 5, 43... Jesus said, I come in my Father's name, and you receive me not. I come in my Father's name, Jesus said, and you don't receive me. If another shall come in his own name, that's who you receive. Think about that. Jesus himself came. They didn't receive him. But yet someone will come in their own name, and they're received. They sell millions of dollars worth of books. They hold seminars. Things contrary to the holy word of God. Yet they're elevated by the media. Elevated by the magazines. People today now, this is going on throughout history, but we're talking about people today. If you know your word, you can't be faked out. You can't. You'll see right through them. Notice in verse 3 that falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, the son of destruction. There's a particular person that Paul is talking about and that, of course, is a man possessed by Satan himself. Now remember, Paul is writing this letter to tell these people you're not in the tribulation time yet. The man of sin hasn't been revealed yet. There hasn't been the rapture of the church yet. Don't be faked out in thinking it has. Don't worry yourself. Don't be shaken and troubled in your heart and your mind. It hasn't happened yet. Still has not happened as we stand here tonight and sit here tonight, August 1st, 2018. It hasn't happened yet. But at no other time in the history of the world have things been lining up to tell us, hey, it could happen at any second with what's going on over in the Middle East, what's, go- what's going on throughout the United States and other countries. Things are going on that are jumping right out of the Scriptures. We want to be ready. Just like Paul was. Just like the people in the churches that were founded, centered in Christ, were back then. They lived on the cutting edge of being ready. They're in heaven now. They're with Christ. But we want to have that same mindset, right? We want to be cutting edge Christians. Ready to go at any time. Ready to be taken up to the, in the clouds with the Lord. But until then, we also want to be about our Father's business. Loving Him. Showing His love to others. 
knowing Him better, drawing closer to Him, and making Him known among the people in our lives, in our sphere of influence. Verse 4. Who opposed and exalts Himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that He sits as God in the temple of God, showing Himself that He is God. So Paul is going on talking about the son of perdition, the son of destruction, who's possessed by the one who wants to only steal, kill, and destroy people, Satan himself. Living inside of a one day this man who will be at the forefront. And make no mistake about it, there's a battle going on on our planet right now for the minds of people. We see it in the political realm through nationalism and globalization. Globalization is being preached in our high schools and in our colleges and universities versus nationalism, patriotism. Understand the Bible speaks one day about a one world government, a one world religion, a one world leader where all the universe is one. Understand that God warns us about this happening one day. And that's the battle, the spiritual battle that's going on right now for the hearts and minds of people throughout the world. Notice that in verse 4, he exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worship, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. So one of the things Paul is saying, one day in the temple, now as most of you know, there's no temple in Jerusalem right now. There's two mosques up on the temple mount. One day there's going to be a temple built. Understand that that temple one day is going to have the Antichrist sitting in it asking to be worshipped as God. And Paul is pointing out that this is a future event that they did not miss yet. That it didn't take place yet. Verse 5. And also in verse 4, remember what got Lucifer kicked out of heaven. Remember what got Lucifer who was Satan kicked out of heaven. The five eyes. It was all about him. He wanted to exalt himself above the throne of God. He wanted to be like God. He wanted to be worshipped like God. And it's pretty cool how this letter of Paul is going. Because later on in uh, verse 11, it talks about the lie. And that lie is the same lie that Satan through at Eve in the garden in Genesis 3. But we'll get to that at a later time. Verse 5. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? I told you these things. The writer of the book of Acts mentioned the same thing. He, he was trying to tell the apostles, were trying to tell the people in their churches what was going on. In John 16, 4, 
Jesus says, but these things I have told you that when the time comes, you may remember that I told you of them. And these things I did not say to you at the beginning because I was with you. Jesus tried to, and still is, warn those who love him. Things that are happening and will happen. And as you hide God's word in your heart and you know his word, you will understand those things that are coming down the pike, that are happening today throughout the news reports, in the newspapers, on the internet. Verse 6, And now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. For the mystery of lawlessness, I want to wrap up on this in the next couple of minutes. The mystery of lawlessness, and you know what is restraining in verse 6, that he may be revealed in his own time. So some, someone is restraining the, re, the revealing of this man of sin, the Antichrist. Mystery of lawlessness is already at work. So Paul is saying back in his day, the mystery of lawlessness is at work. Now notice only he, capital H, who now restrains will do so until he, capital H, is taken out of the way. I'm going to wrap up on verse 7 right now, but understand that the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit is taken out of the way. Paul was teaching in 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians about the gathering up of believers in the air. The rapture of the church. Harpazo is the word in the scriptures. Meaning a snatching away. Well, that snatching away has not taken place yet. The Holy Spirit, when we go, if we went tonight, millions of believers throughout the world would be taken up into the air. So the Holy Spirit is removing everybody. Now, imagine the influence on this earth without the Christian. Just think about that for a second. Millions of people just disappearing, and they're all Christians. The impact that would have on the world. And that sets up the lie that we'll look at next time. But I want to leave you on this. The mystery of lawlessness is no, no longer a mystery to a believer in Jesus Christ. History is his story. History is his story. God's story. We know there's an enemy of our souls, right? We know there's a strategy of the enemy. We know that we should have on, as Ephesians 6 says, the armor of God. So we can fight against the principalities and powers, the spiritual forces of darkness that we can't see with our physical eyes, but we can see with our spiritual eyes. Think of the mystery of lawlessness. Let's, take, let's just think of lawlessness. Heck with the mystery, because we know. Satan's hand is in this. 
Think of abortion, alcohol, drugs, gambling, pornography, the abuse of marriage and lack of marriage, language, the language in our society today. The language I hear among the teenagers in the high schools, the language, the foul, profane language. The reason language is misused, why words are misused, is because they don't know the Word. Capital W-O-R-D. They don't know the Word of God, so it's easy to misuse words. Small W-O-R-D-S. Israel, the focal point. Every day you're hearing something about Israel if you seek it out on the internet or watch the news. The battle for Israel and Jerusalem. Crime, violence in the streets, violence in the homes, homosexuality, violence in sports that's promoted. Apostasy in the church. Lawlessness is all around us. We know that, right? As believers in Jesus, we know it. We see it. God wants us to be game changers. He wants young people to be game changers among their age group. He wants you and your age group to be game changers. He wants you to be a godly example if you're a grandparent, a mom, a dad, to your kids and grandkids. You have to be game changers. Jesus changed the game when he came down to this earth. We're on one team or the other, right? It's it's either God's team or Satan's team. There's no middle ground. So as we close in prayer, commit yourself to his word. Commit yourself to being led by his Holy Spirit. Let's pray. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening and may God bless you. Thank you.